Ladies and gentlemen, your next comic, come to the stage. He's known as the fastest comic in the West. Uh, please give it up for Jubal Chaplin. You can just turn off the mic. I'll just walk around talking to you. Do what you gotta do. Do it however you want. How's everybody doing? Everybody did all the masturbation, suicide, and uh, fucking shitty life jokes. The, tr the key to that, really, the key to just, like you say, like, make, make your life. You say you're in an open relationship. I'm in an open relationship. It's better than my girlfriend fucks everybody. It, it is. It, you know, I, uh, open relationships always work out better for the girls. That's just the thing. How are you guys doing back here? You're, you're just like escaping everything. You're back here having a good time. Not having to deal with all the sore butthole jokes. <laughs> People, uh, well, that's the thing. I was going to do a whole set on sore buttholes. And then fucking Eric did it. So I can't do that. I mean, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I was thinking about when I was a kid. I, uh, I had a stuffed animal collection, right? And, and I had it from like five on. I just kept collecting stuffed animals. And I couldn't really stop. You know, like I had to keep them. I got attached to them. It got kind of weird when I was 10. I started fucking them. You know, I had to change all their names. They were male. And it's like, now it's George the Gorillas and I'm Georgina. And they're getting old, they're fucking their eyeballs off, and, you know, like, come here, you know, it's kind of weird having little orgies with my 300 stuffed animals. So doing a little better, uh, today, last podcast, I was a little ranty, I was a little angry, I guess, at the world, but interesting thing is, is I've never felt more creative um, and some of the things I've been writing, I kind of had a project going for the last two years that I go on to back and forth. And I think it was a good idea to originally. And, uh, I just, I just built such a tangle and I have a resolution, but I don't know how I get from the tangle to the resolution cleanly and, and worthy of what what it is so far um the story anyway what it is so I uh was thinking about there's a there's an actual possibility I might actually get Andy Anders uh to to do a little interview and it'll be very interesting because he's one of, one of the more interesting guys I've I've followed on the internet, and um, you know how the internet is these days, you get into everybody's, you get to know people real well, sort of, without knowing them, interestingly enough, um, and my thing is, I, I got it, when I uh, talk with a, somebody that's, a, when I was in music, I met um, Charles Neville once at a, at a, well, I played with him a little at this jam. And then, and then we uh, went. To, I went back to this party, and he was there hanging out. And he was being real. You know, he's just a guy hanging out, and you know, gave me a little encouragement and, and uh, whatnot. But um, but I, I I also used to used to kind of roll with a with a guy who is maybe even more legendary, musically famous than um. He, well, they're pretty similar. I would say Charles Neville's pretty famous too, but 
but he's a great saxophone player for the Neville brothers, the other Neville brother, uh, or one of, anyway, the, the, uh, the other guy though was, was, used to hang around town, and he, he wasn't, he was definitely not, you know, when he was in Eugene, not doing great, but, um, but he would occasionally get back together with his old band, Canned Heat, and he'd make some money, and they'd throw him a bone, but he had, um, he had issues of just running off, you know, and just partying a lot. Henry Vestine, though, was, was one of the legendary 60s rock players, and you can read his bio, he once, he used to own a car collection and shit, and he would be hanging out at the bars uh, that I used to start out at playing music. And um, he never would talk. He didn't talk to me, like for years. <laughs> and then one day I got, I was, I wasn't even twenty-one, but they were they hid me downstairs under Taylor's Tavern. They have a, a downstairs area where all the musicians go and do all the musician business, you know, a little, little this, a little that. But the old Taylors and and I and you know, I was just down there, you know, drinking probably. I remember, I probably had a little weed too, and I remember I smoked some weed. I think with some people, and it was good weed. And, and um, Henry smoked a little, and then he just pointed to his tattoo. That said, I can't remember. It wasn't fuck a lot of bullshit. That was my other friend's mantra. Shit, I can't even remember, but it was pretty similar to fuck a lot of bullshit. Or, you know, or, or, you know, fuck it or something like that. You know, and he was just like, you know, just, and, and then, uh, later he, he played a little with me when I had my own band a few years later and I was 20 something and, and he, um, he would then, you know, start, start to open up and talk and he's a really funny guy. And, you know, and, and we get, you know, go back into a van and get high and he'd prank people and stuff. And, and, and Sadly, I quit music around then. He he got back together with Can Heat eventually, and they did a reunion tour. They're touring all around, making a lot of money. And uh, he died in Australia, uh, maybe of an OD. And I saw him once uh, when I went back because a Rooster Man, the big blues uh, DJ in town, he used to do the uh, blues show on KLCC, but he also ran the Blues Jam on Monday, and. Uh, was a big rooster blues jam was a big thing they kept it going even after he died but um when he was dying i went back and played some music and ran into some old friends uh, another late guitar player james bradshaw who used to play with me a lot another great guy but he was he was never quite famous enough that you would and he didn't like it he liked to be worshipped either but where you'd be kind of intimidated by who he is and back to comedy um, I met uh, a comedian in uh, Bisbee, uh, you know, like, well, magician, great bartender, you know, and comedian, and guy who used to hang, run with Stanhope, one of his best friends, Matt Becker, and um, I was, I was, you know, I was a little intimidated by him, but also I, I kind of, you know, had to learn that, you know, I might be able to like like make folks laugh and at my level, you know, and, and, and I kind of learned to shut the fuck up, 
you know, like I needed to shut the fuck up when you're, when you weren't around, because it's not like musicians, musicians aren't necessarily the most glowing personalities, if you have a little personality as a musician, and I did, it, it, it can elevate your play, well, you're not even as good as you should, but you can entertain and pe you know, and, and the other musicians are like, all right, I'll just, I'll just lay out this mad ass fucking guitar solo and you do your thing, you know, cause, cause that's what they do. But, um, but personality has levels and when you like run up and meet a 20 year comic and, and they're talking and, and being funny, you, you got to shut the fuck up. <laughs> because, because, um, you know, you're just, you're just kind of, you're trying to, trying to add in a little, but, but you're not there, you're not at the level, really, you know, even though you, you make your friends laugh, and you make, you know, maybe other comedians at your level laugh, you know, it, it's, it's a different, you know, and it's, and it's nice, too, because it's, sometimes for, for us, it's comedians, we don't get to be, um, you know, that's the term a comedian's comedian. We don't get to be um, the on the other side of it a lot, you know. And, and that's where, when you're on the other side of it, and someone's making you laugh, and you you, you kind of realize what's going on. You're like, shit, I love this person, <laughs> which can be a problem if it's a female comic. But most of the time, if you can just keep it, bro happy, you know, male comics too these days, you know, comics like to fuck a lot of them, <laughs> anything that moves, let's be real, no, <laughs> they, but I'm kind of that other, I'm kind of that weird, burned out, like I kind of want to get back into sexual game, but I can't even, I went to a jujitsu class, and I enjoyed it, I learned a lot, and then I was getting ready to go back, there's just too much contact for me, and it's not even, different with women I mean it is because because I guess I'm, I'm more straight asexual <laughs> than just straight than but but even just a lot of contact you know um, without punching somebody is hard for me <laughs> I just, I'm kidding uh, ladies I I've never never not women ever but, but a lot of contact with a guy you know Without being able to hit him in the arm, at least, it um, no, I, I was raised wrong. Uh, my friends had to tell me when I was in seventh grade, just stop fucking hitting him in the arm. It hurts. <laughs> but like that was what that was how the man at the commune I grew up on. It was kind of a biker commune, and that's how the men uh, displayed affection. Was to get was to trick you into looking at the the zero and all the white supremacist sign, and if you didn't get your finger in and out quick enough, which is a little bit of homoeroticism in itself, then you got punched in the arm, you know, and and I learned to punch pretty hard already when I was young, and I uh, would punch my friends in the arm until they told me to please. Stop fucking punching me in the arm, huh? Like, what? What is it? Where did you come from? What kind of fucking jungle did you crawl out of? Jesus Christ, dude. We're, we're, we're friends here, you know? Give me a hug or something. The fuck's wrong with you?
<laughs> I've always been a bit of a touch-me-not, though. It's hard on, on the ladies. <laughs> I got me too the other day. I burned some material here. I, I did. Yeah, girl, I was at the fight, and um, I was talk I wanted to talk to this other guy who was like excited Jones won, and I wanted to do my fake analysis I like to do after the fight, pretending I'm Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. Yeah, no, we all got to do our little. But he was talking and shit, and other people. Oh, he didn't win. Yeah, he did. And the black. And I was like, you know, Jones won the fight. And he was a little drunk, so he hugged me, you know. Again, I, you know, okay. Just in quick doses, I like it like that. You know, it's like a quick hug. <laughs> as long as it doesn't linger too long. If it's a lady, I'll get turned on. And if it's a guy, I'll just kind of, okay. Uh, here we go again. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> the... the Thing is, I, he hugs me, and then like I'm kind of talking to him for a second, and then some people are walking out, and a woman hugs me from behind. I don't even see her, and she kind of feels me up, like my chest up a little, and then she runs her hands down my side and touches my my ass cheeks a little, and I'm a little aroused, you know, a soft, womanly body. Uh, it was good with her hands, too. But um, I looked around, I looked back, and then there's like three women there. That's how they get away with it. They come at you in groups. And me, too. No, I don't. It's more, more I just want to brag about it. I like to, hey, I had some contact with a human being this week. Uh, sad. <laughs> um. It was an assault, kind of, but it was contact. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, like I said, I'm just bragging. Just bragging. What could she do? Look at me. I'm, oh, you can't see me in this. I'm pretty burned out. But I still have an okay body, so. so. <laughs> All right. But anyway, that's uh, that's about this. It's going to be a short little podcast because I don't know. I want to get a few out. I'm going to try to get um Charlie P uh, to do his podcast because he has all sorts of viewers. Charlie P Live, uh, Eugene's African American comic. The the one you know that he's it. There's yep, that's it. I can't. Th oh well. Jason Davis comes down from Salem, so he technically, he does Eugene, uh, so, but he comes from Salem, so we got to ship in our other black comic from Salem. Uh, there was a guy showed up every once in a while, I remember way back, now I think about it, or was that band? No, it was weird, there's way more black comics in band, which is kind of shocking. Um actually uh, the <laughs> yeah Ben's the Bend Black Underground shout out to, to Cody Michaels and Johnny Alfredo and oh fuck I forgot his name now uh, oh sorry so sorry 
I, I love him. He's an older guy from uh, from Portland. Moved there. Uh, fuck. <laughs> uh, I'll come back with his name. No, it's too late. Fucked up our hoodie. But uh, yeah, there's three, <laughs> three in band, and um, Portland. Want to see some good black comedy? You got to go to Portland. Or my, well, I guess our band, our band. You know, I might catch. Uh, it's weird. It's Oregon's so weird about just the, the racial dynamic of white liberals who will embrace uh, black people, probably to an extent. Some of them still don't want you dating your daughter, but they're, they're nice enough in in front front street. But uh, anyway, the <laughs> there's still it's still kind of a weird. Just vibe because of the numbers. You know, you can't. And people like me, who are raised, like, again, out in the country by a bunch of savage fucking biker types, don't even learn how to speak right until we get to school. <laughs> and I didn't, I never used the N word. It always made me uncomfortable, but people did definitely around me. And not a lot, actually. But the, the the strange thing is, is they would also go to bars, you know, where they had no N-words allowed and with their black friends that would come out to the farm and just beat the shit out of everybody. And it wasn't like they were racist. They were actually defenders to a certain extent, but they were all raised from from 50, you know, 1950s people. So it came in and you know, you'd hear it for sure. And um, just in a different con, you know, it wasn't always in a hateful context, uh, actually. But it wasn't something you wanted to learn. Right? But I never, it always made me uncomfortable because I already had enough black friends as a kid. I had a few friends early in. And, and it just would be like, it just made me uncomfortable. A routine about having black friends and saying you're not racist. So I wasn't racist as a child. No, when you're a child, you're not racist. It's the way you are. You're like you're just not really. Uh, but but so, so so things can kind of. What does that mean? But the worst thing is well, and also my older brother, also Casey. You know, and he went through some living. You know, he had a harder time living there because he's mixed. But um. We were taught, and this is incorrect, so you don't know, I'll explain it real quick. Uh, he, he was mulatto, right? Which is a, is a, um, you know, that's what my mom, Jewish mother, told me, you know, the name. And she, you know, she wasn't particularly racist. She just didn't have any context of the word. Like, she'd be very careful about any other words. And, you know, we'd talk about dating black guys in Minnesota <laughs> and, 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 and uh, the trouble that it caused. <sighs> but um, but uh, in Minneapolis or St. Paul, Minnesota, the city there. Um, but different, you know, definitely not as um, politically correct as everybody is now. Obviously, she didn't even know that that was a derogatory term. If you don't know, mulatto actually originates from mule same kind of term like as a 
cross and so it's very it is very derogatory it was in the 70s often used to describe someone who mixed white and black mix which is my 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 adopted brother Casey is you know and he he was into Michael Jackson like everybody else but he could play it up more so he grew the huge afro <laughs> and it was and he was always he was probably the funniest guy in the family really uh, where I got a lot of my sense of humor a lot of my tricks <laughs> from him uh, growing up but that's a whole nother I went on a whole nother tangent and I'm almost at a minute uh, but I'm gonna get some guests it's not just gonna be I've had the one guest he's sort of a musician but it was an interesting take on uh, drum son and then probably gonna gonna try to do Charlie P's podcast and maybe tape 20 minutes of it on my podcast do a simulcast and then I'm still working on Andy we're gonna get Andy Andrist uh, Eugene's resident comedy store comedian uh, who does does comes in and out of the scene when he wants to uh, or, or, when he can, but he doesn't, not really, he doesn't really hang out in the scene much, but I probably wouldn't either if I were him. <laughs> I know. Shout out to Eugene Comedy Scene, awesome scene, um, actually, uh, awesome people really, but it's it's a little bit of a divisive scene, to be honest, there's just a, um, mostly there's just not really big crowds and, and that becomes degrading you know comedians it might have something the comedians might it might be responsible for it but probably not as much as just I don't know uh, it could be probably some improvements it would be working a little better uh, not sure what they are exactly <laughs> so, or I have some ideas but it, it, it's a uh, a lot of different uh, small, very small crowds, differing, you know, but small. So it's comedians performing for the same comedians all the time. And you get to hear your stuff, their stuff, pretty soon. That gets if, if you're listening to the best comic, you know, all the time, and listening to the same set, you know, twenty times. Even a good comic probably going to throw some things in there and make it laugh, but you're going to just start rolling your eyes after a while anyway. And so, you know, that might have, but if there's crowd, if there's like a crowds there, it's not just comedians listening, then you can get off on the crowd laughing. Laughter's contagious. Or, you know, you go, oh, he delivered it good that time. He laughed. And get a little laugh. At least that's the way I am. Um, I know at some level of com comedy, when you're starting out, when somebody really makes you laugh, you get a little sick too. Cause you're like, oh, I can never do that. Yeah, but uh, like I said, as you get, I said earlier though, when you, when somebody can can make you laugh, like maybe you've made somebody else laugh, um, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. And you just gotta shut the fuck up unless they slow down and then get them going again. Maybe like give them some more ammo. But uh, Becker definitely um, 
help teaching that. I got to do better with it. There are some comedians in uh, Memphis. I wasn't doing great there. I come back to this every once in a while, but there's some comedians there that were making me laugh pretty good. And I probably didn't didn't uh, respect it as much because they had a lot on my mind as I should have. But uh, all right, that's been that's plenty of time. So uh, I'm not sure what I'll call this one. Uh, the aftermath of the rant and uh, maybe Charlie P and maybe Andy Andrist and Chaz Logan Hyde I want to get him on here we're gonna do some you know I'm gonna put it out here a couple of me and then and a guest this is mostly for me working on shit all right uh, the road dogs out